Hi and welcome to the next episode of Undisturbed. Uyan, 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 I'm glad that, like me, you are also interested in listening to the stories from different leftist activists around the world. To me, it's an enlightening journey. To talk about journey, I moved from Iran to Turkey in 2012, asking for asylum in the UNHCR in Ankara. I had to leave Iran through illegal routes and reach the city of one after passing many villages and smaller cities on my way. I lived in Turkey till 2018. Then I moved to Greece, again illegally because the war in Syria had caused most of the countries in the EU to stop accepting refugees from UNHCR missions abroad. For this reason, I had no chance of getting asylum in Turkey. These are the years that the population of Syrians and other asylum seekers living in Turkey peaked. That caused me to stay in Istanbul with nowhere to go, no documents in hand, and nowhere to go back. So I started living a full life in Turkey for six and a half years with a little hope of admission to a safe country of residence. But I was immediately inside a myriad of political shifts since the time I lived in Turkey. In 2013, I was living in a small city in Turkey. During Gezi protests in 2013, a 15-year-old called Berkin Elvan got hit by direct shooting of a tear gas canister. He died in a couple of months due to his injuries. Political groups later raised demands for truth and retaliation for Berkin. The police arrested people who protested in Istanbul and other cities for this cause. Then suddenly in October 2015, a horrible thing happened. A suicide bombing in Ankara that killed some 95 people mostly leftist activists. According to the state news media, many of those people who were killed were pro-Kurdish activists. A couple of bombs exploded inside a rally that was organized by the main trade unions in Turkey. They were protesting against the militarization of the conflict between Turkish state and Kurdish organizations. The bombing brought a huge hatred. A hatred that was directed to the ISIS by the Turkish officials and was actually caused by a system of thought that was always against workers. The incident left many unclear topics, but nevertheless was a landmark of a unity between different trade unions in Turkey. Then, one night in July 2016, I was in a bus coming back to Istanbul from another city. Arriving Istanbul, our bus got stuck in a huge traffic jam. The driver turned on the radio when the Prime Minister was stating that there had likely been a coup against Erdogan's government. 
left with no possibility to leave the bus station and go to my home, I started walking the highways and streets. On that warm July night, I saw soldiers in the street, tanks that metered the road in full speed and flipped cars here and there. The funny thing was, as soon as I arrived home, the coup was over. After the coup and in the light of talks between Erdogan and the EU governments, the pressure from Erdogan's government on leftist political organizations increased. His silencing and arresting everyone who had had the claims of relations with the PKK on their back led him to be able to actually start bombing Shengal, Kubane and other cities in Syria. The lack of real political opposition had Erdogan go further in his politics and give Kurdish activists a good lesson. He cleansed the area. The interesting thing that was there was that while in Turkey, the far-right and moderate media were talking about how Erdogan wants to bring back the Islamic history to the modern Turkey, he was able to absorb the discourse of Turkish nationality and patriotism giving a checkmate to the ultra-right. He successfully did a coalition with MHP, the third popular party in Turkey, to isolate more CHP, MHP's older ally. I talked with Tilbe in Istanbul, who is a Boazici University graduate and has been active in the Turkish Communist Party and then its fraction, Turkey Workers' Party, TIP. I asked her about developments in the left and through this interview, we hear a bit about her political and economic worldview. Also to warn, Tilba has a language not suitable for kids. Trotskist, so I will probably like rest of the Workers' Party of Turkey members would uh, define and express this, uh, you know, division from different point of view. But I was in another party uh, in a Trotskist party when this division happened. So I I will be I will be speaking as an outsider. But um, Turkish Communist Party was like very huge Stalinist organization and in uh, locally <laughs> in local sense they uh, they were mostly very close to Kemalism they have problem with Kurdish um, movements they uh, like if I would have to define them I would say petit bourgeois movement not a communist one not a real one uh, so when this fraction happened in 2014, just after the Gezi occupation, I mean, Gezi was a very um, big event, like very crucial event, uh, thing for not only for the leftists, but for whole country. Uh, it was a very huge uprising and it, um, it was an uh, exam for the left actually and as a result of this exam the uh, communist party failed and they divided and uh, workers party of turkey is one of the divisions they uh, 
now we <laughs> uh, we divided ourselves from the mistakes of the historically uh, mistakes of the communist party especially in the current issues like gezi protests and everything and we decided to choose a path that can be more you know comprehensive and Uh, more open to discussions and more open to self-criticism because all, we all make mistakes as revolutionary organizations. And that was the beginning of a huge movement like us. And we we are becoming a, a third alternative with HDP now. So I think we made a writing by dividing. And yeah, like... Maybe that's I can say about the division. There are many other discussions like uh, how we should organize the revolutionary party, uh, what is bureaucracy, what is um, how can be um, a massive organization. This kind of discussions. So um, after that, uh, I think we did the right moves. Uh, we have been right, doing the right moves and we are getting bigger. And the answers, the, the questions are now differing from the Communist Party's answer. How do you see the interconnections between politics and economy in your analysis? How has the AKP, the ruling party of Erdogan, led the economy? Okay, uh, I can uh, begin with the economic crisis, maybe. Like... Um, Uh, since AKP come to the power, uh, they are literally implementing every kind of neoliberal politics. Uh, they are uh, selling every piece, like every factory, every uh, land, everything. They can make money. Uh, so that causes lots of trouble. I mean, of course, this neoliberal politics didn't start with them, but they are the biggest implementers of this uh, neoliberal politics. Uh, and so uh, when a war started in Middle East, they all the time tried to be a part of it. Like they wanted to have an interest on that countries like Iraq, like Syria, etc. And um, this uh, cost them a lot. This cost us a lot, the people. Uh, and now we are just, uh, the Turkish lira is devaluating because of their corruption, because uh, they literally stealing money from people. They literally uh, giving all the money they have to the bosses uh, that cooperate with them. So this causes a huge uh, economic crisis, especially in the la- recent re- years. But last year was the First one, uh, I I believe it has something to do with their political uh, crisis. Uh, what I mean by that, AKP is a political Islamist party, uh, not radical Islamists like ISIS, but definitely political Islamists, uh, which sympathize the radical Islamists and protect uh, ISIS, Al Qaeda, etc. Uh, and Taliban, they have a good relationship with Taliban, obviously. Uh, so uh, while they are in power, they are trying to polarize the people of Turkey uh, so that they can 
keep themselves in the power because like um they are they are polarizing Kurdish and Turkish people even women and men uh, LGBTs and the other the some conservative people and Alevi and Sunnis, these religious sects, etc. Uh, because the majority of this country is Sunni uh, Muslims uh, and like uh, mostly Turkish, mostly Sunni. That means the the rest uh, the uh, the rest of the people uh, can be op- uh, oppressed. I believe the only polarization we have to have is the class polarization uh, so that we uh, we can get rid of them and others too but after the coup in 1980 everything changed in this country the coup just um, destroy the left literally like more than a million people suffered somehow like some in prison some has been exiled some has been killed torture etc and uh, through the coup they wanted to uh, clear up the uh, memory of the people with the socialists and uh, this the effect of the coup continued uh, through this you know through the implementation through laws through like Uh, the forbidding of the unionizing, the forbidding of organized, uh, every everyone become terrorist all of a sudden. So they destroyed every possibility of organizing, um, and so leftists has become a small group uh, that are relatively middle class who goes to universities, who has a well education, etc. And through this uh, discourse and through this reality, uh, the, the neighborhood that uh, in the history belongs to the um, left turned to, the, uh, turned to AKP because uh, while they were growing up, the AKP, before they come to the power, they go to every neighborhood, they uh, talked about the justice, they talk about, uh, you know, how Islam is a peace, religion, etc., this kind of bullshit. Um, and uh, people were poor and they uh, helped them in, in some sense, like they helped them... Um, by giving money or by uh, giving some uh, support, social support, etc. And this makes them step-by-step powerful. And this is not the only reason that they are hardworkingly uh, talk to everybody, etc. But the, the mistakes of the left, the mistakes of the other parties also make them powerful because uh, they had the policy of polarization, but for instance, the JHP, the biggest uh, opposition in Turkey right now, also become a part of this polarization. AKP used the, uh, this uh, peace uh, discourse uh, for for its own interest until 2015. Like they had a peace uh, process with Kurdish people, which was uh, really good for them. Uh, but in the meantime, the left, the socialist organization, uh, couldn't 
uh, use uh, the, the socialist organization are small, okay, but uh, the policies has been led by AKP as, uh, as well. Like they couldn't stand independent from the discourse of AKP and uh, didn't try to fight for uh, the class struggle, etc. They just, you know, uh, fluctuate with the discourse of AKP. So that's another problem. But uh, I think we are learning from our uh, mistakes, even though these mistakes caused 20 fucking years for us. Before we go on, do you have any remarks of your own on top of your head that you want to share with us? I yeah, I want to talk about the women and LGBT movement and the the approach against them. Uh, it's getting bigger and bigger. Like the new generations of women are getting more and more conscious about their own identities uh, and LGBTs as well. Uh, and with the withdrawn from Istanbul Convention, uh, women and LGBT got more and more angry and more united. I, I describe this as a collective loneliness of women and LGBT, like 40 million loneliness. Because like the AKP um, through this polarization, they are just uh, getting more pressure on us. But in the meantime, uh, we learned a lot. We are um, more organized now. And also, this women and LGBT movements are very tend to socialist ideas. Uh, for for a party like us, it's extremely important and extremely well. Uh, and the women movement uh, is now the biggest and strongest uh, social movement in Turkey. Uh, so that's something good. So I wanted to add this. Uh, especially in the uh, in the last few months, there are too many femicides, there are too many hatred, um, murders, etc. Please tell me more about your struggle as well as the struggle of the Kurdish people. Like in the last elections, uh, the general elections, uh, we made an alliance. Uh, this is how it starts because, um, yeah, uh, after the division from Tur uh, Turkish Communist Party, we also uh, make it clear that uh, how we approach the Kurdish movement, how we approach the Kurdish issue, uh, how we should uh, show our solidarity and everything. And uh, we made it more clear thanks to this division because everything is uh, better now. And we decided to have a, a cooperation with them because like we support the rights of Kurdish people and we don't have any other problems. Like uh, it was a possible collaboration and we made it like we made an agreement that uh, we will cooperate during the elections and after the after uh, our two of our uh, MPs has been elected, they will have a different uh, group in the parliament. Uh, so we did uh, through this uh, alliance, uh, we didn't break it after we have been selected because there was none necessary. And now again, like um, there will be another election, which is crucial for the uh, Turkish people. I mean, personally, 
Uh, I don't give a shit about the elections. Uh, but like Turkish people are literally obsessed about the election process. Like if you see the data, like the percentage of participating the elections is like more than 90%, which is extreme. Uh, and so that means like I have to care for the elections I have to care for the uh, alliances of elections and everything even though I hate so um, we um, last month like two or three weeks <coughs> ago we called for a meeting like HTP uh, called for a meeting we participated this meeting was about the alliance left alliance and Communist Party didn't come. I mean, they came and they said, no, we will not participate. And they just left. Uh, and they are trying to create their own alliance with two other groups. Uh, but we, HDP and the, some of other uh, left organizations will, uh, will have an alliance in the elections as well. Like we have alliance on the streets. Uh, while we are supporting each other. Now, uh, again, we will show the solidarity and cooperation in the elections as well. PKK is the the biggest organized power, like the, the, the support of the Kurdish people in general is obvious and uh, we cannot even comp compare the left and PKK because they are huge and they have a tradition. And uh, it's easy like for them to organize because it's a basic national identity questions. And it's uh, easier to say that, like, not easier, but uh, the government and the state has been killing Kurds for ages just for being Kurd, like just for having that identity. So it is, it makes this issue, makes PKK, uh, getting stronger and stronger every time easier because that's basic uh, but the class conflict that we are trying to struggle against uh, is not that obvious I mean it's obvious but not that obvious like nobody kills you just because of work you are a worker they are killing you uh, indirectly in the mines in 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 that fucking roads for three, two hours uh, to work and coming back and you're not doing anything else. That, and that makes you kill, but nothing obvious. So uh, I think we cannot even co uh, compare. And of course, they are organized. If PKK call for something from people, uh, they would literally burn this country down. <laughs> That's for sure. Because like even for, for their leadership, in, in the prisons, they, people got burned themselves. That's huge devotion. That's an important devo devotion. Like, uh, I can't imagine I can burn myself for somebody's freedom. Like, that's, that's something we should respect. And yeah, they're very organized. In, in HDP uh, issue, they're also organized too, but... Um, not as effective as PKK because uh, in the legal part, they literally destroyed HDP. All the cadres, uh, the militants are in prison. So, so yeah. 
I had the opportunity to also ask about the economic situation in Turkey after the recent inflation rise. Uh, how can I express? People are getting more and more committing suicide because they starve. People are, you can just see people angry all the time and crying just because they couldn't pay their rent, just couldn't they couldn't pay their bills, just couldn't buy, couldn't afford anything to buy from markets. And uh, this is now much more visible compared to other years because the inflation rate is extremely high. I'm not talking about the official one, but the real one is more than 80%. And the wage raise, the minimum wage raised like 50%, which means nothing uh, because it's getting worse. Um, and the like now everybody, um, including the middle classes, the ex-middle classes, because there is nothing left, uh, also try to figure out how to get by only just you know food bills rent etc nothing else the everything else is luxury going out for a dinner is luxury um even take a take a taxi is luxury going to theater is a luxury cinema is luxury like um so it's it's like the new normal now and people are like after the first decrease of the Turkish lira in in December, uh, it was an extremely high shock. Uh, like everything changed. Like the I, I I can't even understand if something is expensive or not. If like is it normal or not? Because because of the devaluation of the money, like. Uh, so, like, more and more people are committing suicide. But in the meantime, uh, more and more workers are united and going on to the street for more pay rises, uh, pay rises. Like, especially the cargo workers uh, are now on the streets and making demo, uh, demos and in some factories. And they are generally getting... Uh, what they want. In 2010s, the Turkish government sealed many agreements with the NATO as well as the EU on different economic and political matters. This happened at the same time that great number of refugees were coming from East and South. How was Erdogan's take on the matter of refugees? 
uh, actually, uh, when uh, the Syrian war began in 2011, uh, the government were very welcoming to the refugees because uh, they didn't believe that the war would take so long and they would uh, get what they want from Syria. But they were disappointed. Uh, and in 2015, uh, while uh, the economic crisis rising, uh, they used refugee crisis as a threat for European Union. And they were literally acting like beggars, like, if you don't give me the money, I will just send the refugees away and I will not care about your security. And that's why they had an agreement, like, okay, the Europe said, okay, keep them and I will give you money. Uh, and, but on the other hand, like, the, the country, a country like Turkey have the capacity to wholly ob, uh, absorb the whole uh, refugee community. What I mean by absorb, uh, the, the state can uh, give the refugees uh, registration, health security, well education, uh, shelter, everything. The, the the state has the capacity, but they don't use the capacity for them because they don't have such a political point of view. It uh, the refugees were only puppets for them that they can threat uh, threaten the Europe. Uh, and also have an interest on Syria, which they cannot, and they realize now. Uh, so, um, it, the, especially the Syrian refugees, but the, all refugees are in a very bad position. And, and the number <laughs> of the refugees is so much that the left is just so, compared to left, it is like... There is very limited uh, thing we can do, uh, but in the meantime, uh, there are many workers, very qualified work, Syrian workers especially, and because they are not registered, they are paid very minimum. They are sometimes even not paid because uh, the government is uh, humiliating uh, them. The, so-called opposition JHP is saying like if we are elected we will send them back or everything like the the politicians are manipulating the people and people think that like uh, the government manipulates the people by saying uh, by saying as if the refugees are stealing their jobs uh, but even though there was zero refugees in this country, there were uh, the citizens would starve again. There is not; it has nothing to do with the refugees. The refugees are the um, has an important role in the production now in Turkey, and I believe uh, with the second generation of the refugees, uh, what I mean by that the. The, the ones who born here or grow up in here, uh, we will have a more united uh, struggle together. Um, but it's an extremely hard struggle. And definitely it should be one of the central struggle of the socialist left um, against the, the racist, against the state, um, against the European approach to refugees, that's for sure. 
How do you see the future for the political role players in Turkey? I don't trust any of the opposition about their capacity. I don't believe they have capacity to, to do anything, even though the, the government has been ruling for 20 years like shit. And uh, I don't think the opposition can uh, have a good... Uh, policy because uh, we, we can see that like they're bullshitting as well like when something happens when government says anything about the war they support when they something about refugees they support so what is the meaning of being opposite um, but I don't know like it's very crucial uh, that people we should organize people to put press on the party, like for JHP, like the the members of JHP, the the people who vote for JHP should push uh, JHP, E party, whatever, to make a real uh, difference. Other than that, uh, this uh, bureaucratic uh, parties will do nothing. I don't think uh, they have any capacity about it. Uh, but for us, like uh, we we are working very hard on about the elections uh, for the sake of our alliance, for the sake of organizing the people. Uh, we uh, we will be in every house, every street. Like we will be, we will do our best, like best best for. Uh, like passing the limits of the elections, you know, 10% stuff. And uh, we will uh, become a stronger opposition and become an alternative for more and more people. In the meantime, I, uh, I hope some things will change. <laughs> Thanks, Hilbe, for taking the time to answer my vague and general questions. I have also talked with Garib, a Turkish activist from 1970s in Berlin, which I hope I can get a summary of in an upcoming episode. He talks more on the politics of Turkish and Kurdish activists outside Turkey and the connections between them that I find very interesting. Talking with people who have an active life in political circles of the left makes me happy. I hope you're also enjoying the podcast. Undisturbed has become possible through the support of Media and Feel Fault. We are a group of radios and podcasts from Colorful Voices, and you can find us under colorfulvoices.net. I would also be very happy to hear your comments. My email is in the description of this episode. I wish you a good time, and bye till the next episode.
ایران در چنین او یانا